185milesouth.com. Smash that Patreon button. One hundred and eighty five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast. All right, everyone. Uh, the Tsunami self titled LP came out on Triple B Records June fourteenth, twenty twenty three. We have Joseph here. Joseph, what's up? What's up, man? Hey. Dude, okay. So your previous 12-inch has gone through five presses. You've toured Europe. You've toured Australia. You did a full U.S. tour, booked 100% DIY, where you sold out every single show. You have millions of listens on streaming platforms. You're going to Japan. Now you have an LP out. How do you feel when people still refer to you as a joke band? Uh, I don't know, man. Like I, Because I would refer to myself as like a joke band at first, but... Honestly, um, like, I guess like the proper term would just like we're just having fun, and that's just like that's still what we're doing, having fun. I think that you're like so legit now, though. Like, it's like it's almost offensive to me. I don't mean to cape up for you. Yeah, yeah, no, no yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like if people like understand, like, or like recognize, like the stuff that we've done, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that you could. There's no possible way you could refer to us as a joke band. Yeah, you're at the level now that you could just play like big shows and do fests and like get support gigs for metal bands. Why do you find it important to like own the headlining slot and like always put on for other bands, including like up and coming bands that like don't draw yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, obviously, like we we've been given the opportunity that we've been given. Like people, like. A lot of people, not even like from the hardcore world, like know about us, which is kind of crazy. So that's like, I'm just going to use like my platform as much as I can to like support my friends' bands and like support other bands, which I think should get more rec- more recognition. So that's all I'm trying to do. Yeah, respect. And and on that on that tip, this is like business shit, so we can cut it if you're not comfortable with it. But I just I want to be noted like. You know, a lot of opening bands, when you go out on tours, they take like $100 or sometimes like they pay to get on the tour. And you guys like legit break off the opening bands. Like you've broken off bands like a stack. So I just want to say respect. Yeah, man. Like that's like kind of what I don't like about. uh, It kind of sucks like saying the music industry just because it's like hardcore music, but like that's how it is. Like if like when you see like a touring like lineup, like the opening bands on that tour package, like at most make five hundred dollars, and I think that's kind of bullshit, dude. Because like that sucks. Uh, so like if we headline and we bring out our friends, like I know how much money like a show makes, so I want to like spread the wealth as much as I can with everyone, because like they're the homies. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've always thought like, you know, going back to like the nineties, like a lot of the bands that got like lumped into like the 
like got got kind of labeled like tough guy stuff. They got written off by a lot of people, and like a lot of like those dudes were like the most DIY dudes, and like the guys that really knew hardcore and like put on for hardcore. And that's why I just think it's so significant that like you're in the you're in the situation you're in, and like always put on like that. So yeah, I just want that to be noted. Yeah, yeah, thank you, man. Yeah. Okay. So for this LP, you did like a surprise drop out of nowhere, no build up. Where did the idea for that come from, and and how do you think it was received? Uh. Well, we were planning on recording and releasing an LP like for a long time. And uh, I think we just lagged on it so much that we were just super eager just to release something. So like literally once we got the masters, sorry about the music in the back, but uh, like as soon as we got the masters, like no joke, uh, we released the tracks like two weeks after. Like, so like there was literally no planning behind it. We just knew that we wanted the music out as soon as possible. Uh, and that, that's literally just what we did. And I think the, the reception of it, like people were stoked about it. Like it's just doing super well and I'm stoked on it. Yeah. I'm so glad you did that. Right. Cause bands have been in such a tough spot in the last few years with like the lag time of like the pressing plants and so forth. And now, now that music is mostly consumed like digitally, I think it's like really silly bands holding their their songs back for like up to a year, like to sell like you know maybe a couple thousand records. It seems ridiculous. So yeah, yeah, it's sick that it came out, especially for the summer, right? You you want to tour off it? Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of, that was also like one of the reasons why, because like we released it like going into Australia and then like going to Europe. So like, it just worked out perfectly. You do such a good job, like playing on words, right? Like the, you're a bitch. And then like this record, like the, you're still a bitch. Do you think that uh, <laughs> yeah. you missed a big opportunity on the dirty work song, not spelling it like Mike's last name? <laughs> Dude, I, well, I like, I think we brought that up uh, when we were like trying to think of the name, but the mic was not down. <laughs> yeah so you just got back from from australia and europe can you talk about some some standout moments yeah uh so we did like a two-week australia run with speed and uh it's awesome because like uh i recognize that like tsunami in america is probably like one of the biggest hardcore bands but like speed in australia is like equivalent to us in america so it was just like fucking awesome seeing the reaction that they got so like every show there was awesome and all the shows were sold out but like just playing in their hometown in sydney it was crazy it just like reminded me of like about like playing a show in san jose which was really cool to see and then uh europe europe was was crazy like we played outbreak fest and that was like the most that was like the biggest crowd I've ever played in front of or what I would ever dream of playing in front of. And it was just like a crazy experience. Joseph, what were the challenges of writing an LP versus writing like the previous material in smaller chunks? Uh, on my part, uh, I felt like it was, uh, I wasn't really intimidated by it. It was pretty easy. Like, uh, cause dirt literally just sends me the tracks and then I just like, over it and 
it just worked really well. And then like, I feel like we kind of cheated because two of the songs were re-recorded. So like I already had like the material on there. So uh, it was only like six new songs that I had to write over, which was like not too bad, but dirt uh, like instrumental wise, he was like pretty intimidated by it. And we, he had to like, we probably like scrapped three or four songs just because uh we knew that we wanted to have like the best tracks possible and uh he wasn't happy with it so like we were just back and forth on like the instruments but i feel like i'm happy with what we got yeah there's like so much good shit on here dude like some and he's such like a prolific riff writer like sometimes when he just sends you through stuff like do you get it and like you just get like screw faced like oh shit Dude, like, sometimes, like, uh, like when he sends me, like, some riffs or, like, I hear him jamming with uh, Ben, our drummer, like, I just have, like, a smile on my face because I'm like, yo, like, this is it. Like, I already know, like, this is the riff or, like, this is the track. How happy are you with, like, the new record? Does it, does it satisfy? Because when we talked, like, a couple years ago, you were, like, setting out to do, like, one of the best Beatdown LPs of all time. Like, so now you've done it. How satisfied do you feel? Dude, I'm I'm like really happy with the songs. Like they're like the my favorite songs to play. Uh I hope people like it too. But like the 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 reaction that we get like in a live setting with the new songs, they've been like they've been awesome. So I'm like really happy with it. I love it. Respect. Everyone, the LP came out on June 14th. Tsunami self-titled LP, Triple B Records, Handle Business. You know I got two copies. You got to get two or three. And uh, Joseph, thanks so much for uh, taking the time. Hell yeah. Thanks for having me, man. In this corner, the challenger fighting out of the hard corner. From Seattle, Washington, it's the Axeman of the band Change. It is the mighty, mighty, posy, positive Christopher Chris. And his opponent, fighting out of the core corner, from parts unknown, weight unknown. Reason he didn't pick minor threat in the straight edge Super 7, unknown. It is the reigning, defending, undisputed 185 mile south trivia champion of the world, Daniel. These questions are too easy. Sand! All right, and the first question goes to Posy Chris. If I had the tab up. Okay, here we go. Uh, Chris, is the antidote seven inch titled Thou Shall Not Kill or Thou Shalt Not Kill? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. Eh? <laughs> We go to Dan for the possible steal. <laughs> Dan, is the antidote 7-inch titled Thou Shall Not Kill or Thou Shalt Not Kill? As as good biblical boys from the five boroughs, it is Thou Shalt Not Kill. Dude, that's a question because <laughs> I can never remember that for the life of me. And uh, yeah, it's a coin flip. Dan, back off the mic a tiny, tiny bit. Um, okay, we go to the champ for his first question. Dan, this is a before and after, so remember how we do yep. those? Okay, before and after. 
a band who put out ugh, a band who put out the LP Group Sex in 1980, and the establishment who called George Costanza. Let me say this all again. Okay. All right. I already. I think I already know it though. Hold on. Though. All right, we go to Dan for uh, his first question. This is a before and after. You remember the premise, correct? That's right. Yes, I do. I'm the okay. champ. <laughs> that is correct. Uh, okay. This is the band who put out the LP Group Sex in 1980 and the establishment who called George Costanza's co-worker Riley to say they were running out of him. <laughs> well, George blasted Mr. Oceanphone. <laughs> Um, I'm going to say that is Circle Jerk Store. A point to the champ. All right. We go back to Chris for his question, too. Chris, you also have a before and after. Uh, (laughs) This is Pusshead's band and then the Connecticut hardcore band that had such songs as Disgrace and Dead at Birth. That would be Septic Death Threat. A point to Chris. All right. Okay, we go to Dan. And Dan, this is so in your wheelhouse. I don't ever want to hear you cry again. Oh, God. Uh, That means I'm about to cry in like 32 (laughs) seconds. This is a multiple choice question. Is the the first side-by-side song on the way it is comp titled A, Time Is Now, B, The Time Is Now, C, Times Is Now, or D, The Time Is Now? Can you say those again? You got it. A, I, I, especially because I want to hear D <laughs> again. All right. Is the first side-by-side song on oh, the way it is comp titled A, Time Is Now, B, The Time Is Now, C, Times Is Now, this song goes out to all you guys, or D, The Time Is Now? Well, I'm going to use some champion type logic here. My head and heart are telling me that it's the time is now, but the reason that you would be asking this is it can't be that. So I'm going to say time is now. He's a champ for a reason. People. Holy shit. Uh, Could have been times is now though. You never know. True. But it's like, it, it, it's not pluralized in in the amazing vocals of one Jules Massey. That's true. That's true. Okay. I feel like oh. I feel like true champion logic would have been. What would Rick say? <laughs> <laughs> he would have done D. Absolutely for sure. Uh, we go to Chris for his number three. Chris, what do parrots, eagles, condors, and the singer of Striking Distance all have in common? <laughs> they're ginger. No, they're uh, they're all birds. Point to Chris. They all live to great long ages. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Spain power. You know. All right. Uh, let's see here. You go to Dan for his number three. Dan, which came first, the for the sake of dedication compilation or the double decker taco at Taco Bell? I'm gonna go with Europe on this one. I'm going to say for the sake of dedication. We go to Chris for the possible steal. Chris, which came first, the for the sake of dedication compilation or the double-decker taco at Taco Bell? Well, everyone knows it's a double-decker. 
<laughs> it's a steal. Point to Chris. Uh, I have it as the Double Decker Taco came out in June of 1996 and For the Sake of Dedication came out in 1997. Although the referee, Ben, he uh, Ben, what did you find? I found 1995 for the Double Decker Taco. Either way, the taco came first. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. We go to Chris for his uh, which came first. Chris, which came first? Seven Seconds of the Crew or the Chicken McNugget at McDonald's? Let's go with seven seconds. The crew. We go to Dan for the potential steal. Dan, which came first? Seven seconds. The crew or the chicken McNugget at McDonald's? Well, I know this for a fact, having such deep knowledge that um, someone rocked up to the studio with some chicken McNuggets while the crew was being recorded, and they were like, "Hey, man, we don't eat flesh." So, I'm going to say the chicken McNugget. Chicken McNugget, 1983. The Crew, 1984. How about that? Grimace Shake, 2023. (laughs) That's right. That's right. All right. Dan, this is another multiple choice question. Good God, I'm serving up easy tonight for you. Um, Which band did Ari from Lifetime play drums in prior to that band? Is it A, Awake, B, Aware, C, Enough, or D, abrupt. Be aware. We go to Chris for the potential steal. Chris, Shit. this is a multiple choice question. Which band did Ari from Lifetime play drums in prior to that band? Was it A, awake, B, aware, C, enough, or D, abrupt? First off, I think Dan's head, head was still stuck in the, the seven, seven seconds when he said, be aware. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give uh, oh. I'm going to do D, but only because I don't actually know the answer, but only because give a abrupt. <laughs> All right. Respect. Uh, no points this round. It is C enough. Mm. About I've that. seen enough of these questions. Oh, well, <laughs> you, you haven't seen enough because how about this, Chris, for your number five? Ari from Lifetime played drums in a band called Enough. They put out a demo in 1988. Spell Enough. Hmm. I'm going to start with an E. <laughs> and then let's go NUFF. We go to Dan for the potential steal. Dan, Ari from Lifetime played drums in a band called Enough that put out a demo in 1988. Spell Enough. E-N-O-U-G-H. He went at a spelling B, but not tonight, fellas. It's <laughs> E-N-U-F. Chris was closer. Uh, I, I didn't know if they would go enough is enough route, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go on to Dan for his question number five. Dan, true or false, on the cover of the Warzone album, Open Your Eyes, Rabies is the tallest member. Ooh, that's a that's a good one. Um, I mean, he was, he was a security guard for Prince, for God's sake, you know? Um, I'm trying to think. Crazy J Skin is taller than him? No. Um, Todd Youth, definitely not. I don't even know if all of these people that I'm saying were necessarily in the 
Hey, uh... I mean, it's rabies. Big bad rabies. I'm going to have to say yes. Uh, point to Dan. Oh, yeah. Champ got it again. Whew. I love it. I love it. Okay, Chris. Uh, question number six. This is the title of a Killing Time song and also a notable New York band who did records on Reaper and Bridge Nine. I feel like I've gotten this question before, but I'm going to go backtrack. A point to Chris. And I don't know. I control F'd it and it wasn't used. So maybe you did. If so, my bad, Dan. It, it, does, well, it does sound familiar. Control F you. True. <laughs> right. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> Chris, I'm going to hang up on you as soon as we're done with this segment. Do people say that to Pat Sajak and Alex Trebek, RIP? <laughs> All right, Dan, we go to you for your final question uh, right in your wheelhouse. Um, oh. On the cover of the Hogan's Heroes LP built <laughs> Okay, start again. Sorry. You did say it was my wheelhouse. <laughs> well, we've pined over this many times. And uh, if you all haven't heard us, <laughs> smash that Patreon button and uh, listen. <laughs> get in those uh, archives. Dan, on the cover of the Hogan's Heroes LP, Built to Last, a band member is wearing this iconic 1980s SoCal hardcore band's shirt. Oh, I mean, it, it's one of two in my mind. In my mind, I'm either thinking it's um, no for an answer or uniform choice. It's one of those. Well, Chris appreciates it in case you got it wrong. Oh, fuck. <laughs> well, in that case, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, even though it's not the greatest LP, they still must have had good taste. So I'm going uniform choice over no for an answer. <laughs> Point to the champ. Yes. That again. I yes. love it. I love it. All right, Ben, let's go to you for the subtotals before we hit that final round. Yeah, Dan has six points and Posse Chris has four points. All right, everyone, you know what time it is. What? What? Okay. All right, Chris. Of those four points, how many do you want to wager on this uh, round where you're going to guess the 25 to life lyrics? Uh, I want to come away with a point, so I'm going to get. I'm going to gamble three. All right, Chris goes in with three. Dan, how many points are you wagering here? Four. All right, Dan goes four. Um, okay, let's see here. The blue button is for Chris. Here you go, Chris. Feels like it cuts off halfway through. Here we go. If you really think it cuts off, I'll give you the last word. No, well, I, I, I said that. I said that. Chris didn't say it. <laughs> okay. Chris, do you feel like you're being cheated out of the last word? No, I think I have the last one. Uh, okay. But the first, the first two. Are the, the hard ones, I think. <laughs> Here we go. Two times in a row. Three more times. 
Here we go. Ooh, that last one went under the water. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to guess in these times, we stick together one another. So close. <laughs> oh, so close. Chris, this is the second time you've gotten so close. It's this time we stick together, support one another. Everyone come up front, sing nice. along. Oh, just yeah. just this time? <laughs> this time. Yeah, this time. But, but after this time, we're over. Well, tonight, this time, this time we stick together, but after that, we're through. This time in the room, dude, until it gets clipped and put online and someone calls you gatekeeping. You know. Um, okay, we go to Dan for years, and you have the teal button. Let's see here. Okay, here we go. We are together. <laughs> um, can I hear it four times in a row, please? Yes, sir. I'm like right there. Have Can we, I hear it two, two more times? Have we get it. Shout out. All right, here you go. He definitely says we all stick together. Um until my fucking death. Almost. Well, not as close oh. as Chris, but uh we gotta stick together and share our fucking views. Everyone come up front, sing along. We gotta stick together and share our fucking views. We all stick together. To be fair, to be fair, Rick, you did previously say just this time. <laughs> That's true. Uh, these are both off Dan's favorite song too. In the hate, violence fade. Oh, I do love that song. <laughs> yep, you were just in the eye of the storm, dude, and couldn't pull it out. <laughs> well, it, it, it's so funny. It's like. Instead of we gotta stick together, it it really sounds like he says we all stick together. Yeah, yeah. Chris, if Chris was like one word off on his, we might have had to give it to him. Because like he's six, six, foot six foot two. two. <laughs> <laughs> six um, foot two. What you gonna do? That's right. Uh, okay, Ben. Let's go to you for the final score. Um. So, uh, Chris. Had four points. He wagered three. He did not get it correct. I don't blame him at all. Boy, he got close. So he ended up with one point. Dan had six points. He wagered four. He came really close too, but no cigar. So he ended up with two points. Dan remains the champion. 
Dan Sant, undefeated, 185 trivia champ. Holy shit. He did it again, people. What's up, everyone? This week on the pod, we are back and talking hardcore. Helping out. You know him. You love him. He is the best dressed man on the pod. He is Daniel Sant. What's up, Dan? No one can tell you what to do. To yourself, you must always be true. <laughs> Classic line, dude. Classic line. Uh, also up and out, six foot two. What you going to do? It is the mighty, mighty posse, Chris. What's up, Chris? What's cracking? What is cracking? All right. Before we jump in to talking about some new music, dude, we're full fledged summer now. It's finally getting hot. The weather in San Diego was perfect up until like today. We're recording this uh, Thursday. It's going to air the following Monday. Um, it finally got up to like 90 today. And yesterday. No. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. But which is chill. It's not so bad. Like I- I'm not hating it yet. You know, going out for my early morning bike rides. So, uh, you know, it's not cranking with the heat yet. But uh, yeah, we're in summer. And I just I was curious what you guys are looking forward to like the rest of the summer. Because this month, like. These last two weeks is crazy for shows. I'm going to so much shit. Um, Chris, do you want to jump into it? What are you looking forward to the rest of the summer? Um, I mean, low-key, the thing I am most looking forward to is uh, Change is playing our new spot in Arroyo Grande up on the Central Coast. And I'm just kind of like super pumped to, uh, I don't know, be a part of... uh, you know, what's going on here right now and, and, and experience all that energy from, you know, behind a guitar versus, you know, standing next to the PA. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of super, super psyched that that worked out. We were originally going to play, uh, down in Oxnard cause you know, I love the Nard so much and we do change does. Um, but <laughs> as we kind of thought might happen, uh, with just the timing, uh, we figured a Sound and Fury pre-show might pop up, so that's why we didn't, uh, you know, like announce anything. And then saw that, uh, so we were going to do a show at, actually in Simi Valley at uh, at Rapid, and uh, then I saw we saw that uh, High Viz was playing like fifteen miles away or something. So we we're like, eh, all right, let's let's pull the plug on that one. Um, so yeah, I'm really psyched to play it. Super bummed on the other hand that I'm not going to be able to see high viz at any of these shows because change is playing down the coast for the first run of their shows. And then the second run of their shows, like I'm going out to Zion, uh, my wife and I to do some family stuff, uh, which I'm really psyched about, but also like super bummed that high viz is finally coming to the West coast. I'm going to miss them. So hopefully there's a next time, but uh, I think that's the thing I'm most psyched about. And then obviously just like, hanging out with all the homies at indecision 30 and uh you know those are the the next things that i'm just kind of looking forward to i'm also going back to seattle in august uh just to do some nature stuff so yeah well dude i think that uh they might end up in salt lake at the end of that tour not so far from zion you might just want to uh do a a van rental and have them come out and play the desert with you dude (laughs) yeah um dan hurricane utah (laughs) that's right dan what are you looking forward to um i am looking forward to uh 
Indecision 30 being on on the doorstep now um, because it's going to just be like a gathering of so many friends, you know? It's going to be what comes down to being one of the most important tenets of hardcore to me is the the friendship and the and the um the hangout you know um but also i'm very excited to see unbroken and pretty much everyone listed i'm really really excited and i'm i'm a bit excited to play as well so i think that'll be great i'm really excited for the high vis shows that i can make it to obviously indecision 30 makes it so you can't really go to any um <laughs> except for that la show that um chris was referencing so i'm excited for that and then i have plane tickets booked so i can go see them in seattle and portland so i'm gonna do that as well um and then go visit my dad and my uh, half sister um at the same time and so that's on the thing and uh, a cool thing about coming down to san diego is i'm bringing reggie so oh, san diego get ready yeah i'm looking forward to that we can take him on like the little hikes i do by the 52 yeah that'd be cool yeah high viz is playing uh Let's see, I think Thursday in Los Angeles and Friday, San Diego, and Saturday on the Sound and Fury. Yeah, we haven't talked about it too much. I mean, it's a bummer that the Indecision 30 and Sound of Fury ended up on the same weekend. Or they, they just overlap one day. But uh, that kind of, yeah, whatever, bummer. It, but, is, uh, it is sad um, that it, it, it worked out that way. Um, yeah. I'm going to, ch- I might have to go to. Santa Fe on Sunday. I got to see speed, dude. I love that record so much. I listen to it all the time still. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. They, by the time this episode airs, see, we're, we're recording this on Thursday tomorrow. They're announcing the lineup for that flat spot show. That's Wednesday in LA, uh, the Wednesday before Santa Fury. I'm hoping that speed plays that. Uh, and if that's the case, I'm going to go up for sure to, uh, peep that show. And then, yeah, but this month is crazy, dude. So next week, uh, Stay Gold is coming down. They are playing the Shea Cafe on Wednesday. I'm going to go to that. Then on Thursday, uh, the Addicts are playing with Sweat at the Observatory. And uh, excited for that. I talked to one of the dudes at Radiation Records a couple months ago. Uh, I don't think that they're re-releasing the first Addicts LP, which has like, never gotten a proper re-release since it originally came out. But uh, I think they're distroing it, so that should come out soon. And then he was saying that he thinks this is like their final tour. So I'm excited for that. And then um, Friday, we're doing a bonfire, Fiesta Island. Uh, just everyone come hang out, whatever. And then we're going to try to get to Violencia after the uh, the bonfire. And uh, yeah, basically, those of us that uh, want to slam, we're going to go to Violencia. Those that want to get laid, you can go to fucking in the bushes, uh, see Daniel DJ Britpop that Friday. And uh, yeah, and then Saturday, final gasp at Tower Bar. That's insane, dude. And then the next week, that flat spot showcase is the Wednesday. Gel in San Diego on Thursday, high vis in San Diego on Friday. I'm going to go to indecision 30 on Saturday. And then, Oh, it's a toss up between Santa Fury and that, uh, that show at the Shea on Sunday, Dan, I don't know. It's a, uh, it's a wild week. And then I in think, August, Oh, go ahead, Chris. 
I think also uh, Ankle Biter might be rolling through California this week. Oh, shit. They, uh, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll have to check that because uh, I'll be there for that too. And then also in August, uh, Hood's Time High Steel Communication are, f- are playing the Fraternal Order of Eagles. Uh, all the dudes that are doing slow death promotions in National City uh, really holding it down right now. So shout out to all of them. And uh, I'll be there at that too. So yeah, wild, uh, wild next 30 days or so. That's like a lot of shows. I'm going to more shows now than I think I have maybe my whole life. It's, it's wild. What happens when you quit drinking? Huh? Respect one year, one year, Jesus Christ. Um, okay. We Let's love jump- you. Yeah. Well, I love you all. Thank you. Um, Let's jump in to some new stuff. Uh, wanted to mention uh, Will to Live out of Texas. They put out a 12-inch EP on another city records. Uh, it's called The Therapy Sessions. It came out a month or two ago. And that first song they put out off it, Molded, is like, you know, in my brain that likes the hard style and like short songs. Like that's a straight up perfect song. Um Texas is popping right now. That Scourge LP that came out earlier this year is uh, pretty awesome. And then, yeah, it's just, it's sick that Will to Live is back and popping off. Like, we got lots of good memories of rolling through Texas in the early 2000s. They were like one of our favorite bands that we got to see on tour, uh, them and Pride Kills, both out of Houston. And uh, yeah, it's just sick. You know, Texas making that mark, you know, um, with Iron Age, Bitter End power trip, all that. So much respect and uh will to live. Like they really have a piece of that Texas hardcore history, you know, like all the bands that came after them owe a lot to them. Cause like they were one of those main bands holding it down, like right around 2001, 2002, like they were the band. So what's up sick that they're doing it still. And uh yeah, let's jump into another one. This is one of my favorite records that has come out this year i love the demo but i like the lp more we're talking the violencia viviendo tiempos aun moon escuros lp on to live a lie records if i butchered that i'm sorry uh dude lo siento siento. soy un gringo mi español es mierda um (laughs) shout out tijuana you know shout out taco shelly shout out the uh the cinco diez and uh, shout out to Dan's favorite spot, El Cuevo del Poludo. But uh, yeah, huh? Uh, anyway, dude, this LP rips, Dan. How do you feel about it? It's fucking sick. Um, it's angry. It is um, gritty. And it's at its best when it is just sitting in the pocket of the mid-tempo banger that it has multiple of on this record. It goes... Fast from time to time, which really appreciates you when they get in that pocket of the mid-tempo banger. Like my favorite song is probably um, that song, La Carrera Interminable. Um, I don't, I may have Frenchified that a little bit, but that song is so good. It's got so much stomp, like so much great stuff. The one I've got one little complaint about the record though is like. The kick drum, I wish, was recorded in a more punchy fashion, I suppose, because there's there's a few parts on this where the kick drum like goes by itself, and if it just had more of a, it just uh, would 
add to the to the insanity of of the LP, but it is really good. It's great, angry hardcore, like, um, and yeah, it's a big step up from the demo, which the demo was one of our favorite things of last year, right? Or is it? It might have been two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. At this point, yeah. Um, but there's not a dud on this record. Like all the songs are good, but the the ones that I really, um, really love are the are the the ones that are the tempo that just capture like where this band is truly in its sweet spot. What I also love is the um, duality of the vocals. Like for the most part, uh, the main vocalist it their voice is just raging, but then there's like a I don't know pseudo crust-esque guitar player or someone like chiming in from time to time and um the main vocalists vocals are on the more higher like higher register screamy and then those are more like coming across like almost like tragedy (laughs) to an extent um and they they work really well together it's a it's a fucking killer lp i'm glad to hear that you like the mid-tempo stuff the most because I think they're at their best when they're fast. Although I do think like that mid-tempo song, the La Agonia de Vivir, um, is very like suicide filey, which is sick. And that's like kind of different than the other mid-tempo songs. I think they're at their best when they're doing like the like the super fast, like the scissor beat or the dicka dicka. Um and they really tap into something special when they go like with the dark vibes, like that euthanasia or like the nuda vita, like the euthanasia, when they go like that, and then into like the, the scissor beat, it's wild. And then that nuda vita, like it's like pretty fucking dark. And then going into like that scissor fast, it's like, it's a wild juxtaposition. It's a wild juxtaposition. And I think it's like their most special sound. Um, I can't believe I'm calling for more goth, but I am. And uh, I think if they lean into that, like they could really do something special. Um, If I was, I I kind of back Dan's sentiment, not necessarily on the kick drum, but I don't love the way the drums are recorded, but I don't, it doesn't take away from it too much for me. Um, And if I was being super critical, Chris or uh, dissenting Dan, (laughs) I think that the, uh, I like the intro a lot, but I think it would have been sicker if it like led into something. It's kind of like the intro is just on an Island by itself. And then it like starts the next song. I think it might've been a missed opportunity to like build into something epic. Um, that'd be that. But overall, I love this. This is one of my favorite records of the year. Um, I was really looking forward to it. I got it and it's great. Listen to it on our record. It came in the mail. Um, super stoked. Chris, what do you think about this one? Well, first off, I got to say, if there's a critical Chris and a dissenting Dan, I'm trying to think of what the the Z the Zach the Z sound Zach would be. Oh, that's positive that. Zach. Just all the Zane, time, dude. Zany Zach. Xenophobic right. Zach. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, dude, I love this too. It's um it's a great record. Uh it's funny, Dan thinks they're at their best when they're in the mid tempo. Zach thinks they're at their best when they're in the fast. 
I think they're at their best when they're slowing it down and getting like almost stoner rock vibes. Um, so I don't know. It's just kind of cool that we each have kind of a, a different favorite in this. Um, but I think all of those components need to be there for those other components to shine so much. And I think that's the formula that works so well for them. Um, I think like they have a shirt that says uh, something like this is not power violence this is Tijuana hardcore. Um, but there's a lot of power violence in this. Like it's certainly, I don't know, pilot power violence kind of has to be like the most gate kept subgenre in hardcore, right? Like <laughs> I feel like power violence fans have maybe like five bands that they agree are actually power violence bands and everything else is not power. Well, it's technically not power violence because they do this. Um, you know, meanwhile, we're saying like melodic hardcore can be any thing from like turning point to touche amore to like stick to your guns, but I digress. Um, there, there's a lot, there is a lot of power violence on this and there's one song in particular, uh, which one is it? Uh, I don't remember which one it is, but there's a song on here that is like straight up power violence. And then they get to the back half of the song and then it just goes into some black Sabbath ass riffs. <laughs> and it's so sick that they're just like not afraid to take it there, you know? And, and I agree with Zach. Like, I think when they get more moody, like, like when it gets more in that, like almost tragedy esque vibe where there's a little melody, they're slowing it down and getting really moody and, and goth. That's when that's when they're at my favorite, especially with like how much the vocals have space to really like the vocals on this record sound so sick. And like, they have just the right amount of like raspiness in this high pitched scream. And, uh, and I, and I think it just really, really shines on top of that slow sludgy dark stuff. Um, and La Agonia, La, La Agonia de Vivir is my favorite track. And this is a perfect example of that. It's slow. It's sludgy. It's dark. And the vocals are so ill. And then like this lead comes in at one Oh five. It's so dope. And just adds to those vibes. Awesome record. (laughs) Quick story on this. Um, I've also been looking forward to it. I pre-ordered it and um, I've been seeing everybody get it, you know, get theirs and post them on Spotify. And I'm like, man, why haven't I got mine yet? And uh, then I realized we had some some mailbox drama where uh all of our mail was getting delivered to the wrong box and i finally had to like go through this like groundhog's day-esque just nightmare scenario with the post office and finally they popped open all the mailboxes and one box had like just was packed with like a week's worth of mail for us and i had two records in there including this one sick i got it now yeah, that rules. Yeah, they, they pack so much onto this LP. For 12 songs, it is like a very easy listen. Uh, I've listened to it, I don't know, probably 10 times leading up to this, and I haven't gotten sick of it. And if we were doing a side A, side B, I think I might be side B. Like, I think this thing brings the heat late. So uh, it's sick, dude. It's an LP that needed to be an LP, which is like a rarity. A lot of times, you know, there's an LP, and it's like, God, that would have been sicker if they would have trimmed off four songs. Um, but I think this thing really takes you on a journey. So yeah, 
everyone check it out. Violencia, Viviendo, Tiempos, Aún, Más Oscuros. I apologize for butchering that, uh, but that's what it is. Check it out to Live a Lie Records, handle business. All right, let's go on to, let's see here. Uh, we're going to talk The World I Hate, Years of Lead LP, came out on War Records. Chris, this is one that caught your ear. What's up with it? Uh, is this power violence? <laughs> <laughs> it's all power violence, dude. If you're doing a scissor beat, your shit's power violence. And like, uh, you can't gatekeep that genre. It's like the most fucking incel Latin genre there is. For so sure. I, I think this is like one of the, some of the most straight up power violence that I've heard in a while. Like it's down tuned, which I don't know if that's like a normal power violence thing or that's like a more modern thing, but actually, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, it's awesome. And it sounds, the recording sounds so big. Like this sounds burly. Um, and like the fast, like even when they go fast with those scissor beats, it still sounds hard. Right. <laughs> Um, Milwaukee band, uh, Jimmy from low end and judiciary is in this band. Um, yeah, I love this. Uh, it's just, if I was to use one word to describe this record, it would be mean. Like it just sounds so mean. And I don't know, like, like Violencia, this is a band that has a lot of fast, but like the fast sets up my favorite stuff, which is the slower or more mid-tempo where the vocals are just gnarly over the top of it. Standout track for me is Suicide Mag- Magnet, um, which is just like a mid-tempo stomper. Vocals are so pissed. He's spitting so hard that like 60% of the time, I have no idea what he's actually saying. And then there's a few lines that pop in this one, the line, but existing on this rock can make your fucking skin crawl. <laughs> and then the next part, I don't know what he says. And it just sounds like, bah, 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 bah. Um, and then the mosh part at the end of this song is such a hard stomper. One other song I want to call out safer in jail. Um, I love how the song starts. It's like a combo of four note hits with like the spastic, drumming over the top of it and then it just cuts to one guitar and the vocals but it's not like um it's not like he's singing on a beat it's like he's just yelling <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's kind of starts out on time and then it just kind of falls off of the beat a little bit because he's just like full on belting out madness right when uh, yes safer in jail Okay, uh, do you want to re- do you want to hear what my note is on that? That back song up, yeah. in particular. Back off, back off the mic a tiny bit. <laughs> I said, "Safer in Jail" starts out like the singer is just recording a wrestling promo over the music. <laughs> He's just ranting and raving, and then as soon as he stops with his wrestling promo, the hardest mosh comes flying over the cliff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the way I put it is like. The the way the vocals are writing over this part, it's not a hundred percent on time. It's not a hundred percent like like vocal bars, you know, um, like a time signature. It's just like a mad maniac ranting and spitting, spitting like semi legible words, and it sounds so sick. And the way that it's it, it kind of falls off time slightly just makes it sound so unhinged. It, it's like the song's falling apart, but then like as soon as that part breaks off it comes into this like super heavy stoner riff and like 
when it comes back into that, it just like clicks right back into like it all falls off hinge. And then at that beat, just all at the same time, it all comes back into hinge and it, and the whole record is super tight. There's a lot of tempo changes, hits, breaks, time changes. And it, and it's all like super calculated, but like the way that it, it falls off here just really stands out because it, it, makes it just come across unhinged there's also like feedback parts throughout that just keep it keep it from sounding too clean and too safe and it just comes off maniacal i love this record i think it is fantastic yeah that's the best part of the record because it's like really unique to it and it just sounds savage like the guy's a neanderthal right like i wonder if it's a missed opportunity to not open with that because it's like such a fucking mission statement you know what I mean? And I kind of wish this dude, like, all right, you, you stumbled into some magic here. Like, next record, do it, like, four different times. Like, have it be your thing, like this band. Because it sounds so wild. And Chris is right. To have that part that's, like, so unhinged, you know? And it it's, like, it doesn't sound like this at all, but it has the vibes of, like, you know, early suicidal when, like, Mike is, like, kind of ranting and rambling. And you, you get, like, that that tense feeling that like, you know, something is coming, you know, like you're kind of like going mad with him. Like it has like a little bit of that vibe and like they tapped into something special there. And yeah. And to come out of that into something super tight is spectacular, you know, and it would have been sick, like to have that and go into a fast part, you know, here they did going into like a mosh part. They could do it going anything. Just do it more, dude. It's fucking sick. Uh, yeah, I Chris- think, Go ahead. Sorry, one thing on that. Like, I think the thing that it reminded me kind of of is like Tsunami has those parts too, where not necessarily in the same way, but maybe because uh, a random guest vocalist is like stepping on top of Joseph's vocals and and it just sounds like chaos, you know? And it just makes it sound that much more unhinged and like just insane. Yeah, they're like, they're true YOLO parts, right? Where you know, if you had like a engineer, he, he like, you know, an engineer that wasn't into fucking hardcore, you'd be like, well, I don't know about that part, guys. You might want to dial it back. But, you know, like bands that have the balls to put out wild shit. It's like, no, let's roll with it. You know, and that's when you get like a lot of the special stuff. Um, I want to echo Chris on like the recording here. This recording is so good. It's bright. The snare sounds awesome. It's like deep and it has like that real sound. Like they recorded it in a room. They got a great snare tone. Uh, it's super sick. This is going to get compared to Infest a lot because the singer sounds a lot like Joe Infest. Um, but musically, I don't think it is. It's just his voice is like that. And they do do a fair amount of scissor beat. But if I was going to, if I mapped out this record, you know, and made a bunch of columns and was like, okay, they have this many uh, regular fast parts, this many scissor beat parts, this many you know, slow parts, as many two-step parts. Like, I think the record would be pretty even. Um, I, it's not just mostly scissor beat wildness, uh, although that is a backbone of this. Um, I also want to say, like, they put some real thought into this. Like, first of all, I think, I think the album art is sick. And then also, this is sequenced really nicely. Like, I don't love this kind of music at all. Like, there's no part of my life that I really want to listen to this stuff. Um, when I used to like to listen to stuff that was this crazy, it'd be like, if there was like, you know, four of us loaded into a car and we're going to a show, you know, you want to listen to some wild shit, but I don't know. There's just no real moments in my life that I want to put on something that sounds like this, but like 
I mean, I can sit and listen to this and like be like objectively say like, this is really good for what it is. And the sequencing is so nice. It's easy to get through this record. And then there are some like places on this record where they go the extra mile, like that remove blood song, how it goes into on the wall. It's so seamless and just works so nicely. So uh shout out. This is a great accomplishment. This record is, uh, is really awesome for what it is. Dan, what did you think about this? I really liked it. And I don't necessarily like a lot of like heavy power violence, scissor beat parts, really. And why this does it for me is because the recording is so good. And then the uh, mosh that the band brings when they either slow it down or, or, lead you into a part that is just excessively like it's not like full fully groove laden like hold it down or anything like that but it has its own like kind of just swagger to it on those parts on those like it's really good and then yeah you know i I, i'll echo your part where you say he sounds like joe infest but he also sounds like paul bearer as well um a lot especially on the ranting parts. <laughs> Listen up, punk! <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And, like, the liberal snuff film song as well. He sounds like Paul Bearer a lot on that song as well. Um, but it, it's really good, and it is recorded so well. And it's... Um, you look at it and you think, like, oh, there's quite a few songs, you know? And then before you know it, the LP's over. And you're like, shit, I want to listen to that again. Um, And they do the trope I like a lot, where they name the band in a line in the first song, Progressive Plantation. Like They're like, this is the world I hate. You know, so respect, you know, I like that. Um. But yeah, it's, it's it's really good. I think most listeners to this podcast will really dig this record. Hell yeah. World I Hate, Years of Lead LP, War Records, Handle Business People. All right, moving on. Uh, this is a band called Motorbike. They put out a self-titled LP on Feel It Records. Uh, discovered this one from the Sorry State newsletter. And... Uh, Everyone should check that out if you don't already. I know, like, sometimes I hear people say, like, oh, it sucks there's not zines anymore. They kind of, like, exist in, like, these weird pockets. Like, the Sorry State newsletter is so long. Like, you know, it really does have, like, that zine feel. I love, like, getting it in my email and reading it. You know what I mean? And I discover a lot of the music that I like because of it. So, uh, yeah, sick. And in turn, we talk about it here for you. So, uh, yeah, shout out Sorry State. Uh, This record kicks ass and you know the playlist i made for this podcast you know this followed up the violencia and the world i hate so like this this was like a nice sounding record to come after those two which are so brutal um this got this got compared in the write-up to split system uh which is one of my favorite lps of last year and i get that a little bit because like that opening track uh motorbike it has a lot of like that one string like lead riffing ding 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 that kind of that kind of stuff it's sick dude it's like it feels good dan what do you think this sounds like like i don't know what to compare it to 
Whew, it's sounds like a, a a cross between like Jonathan Richmond and Modern Lovers like first record meets like a dirty version of the hives. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's very it's got an, a nod to the sixties style garage style stuff, but at the same time it's got that slacker power pop vibes to it as well. It's really, really fantastic. But it doesn't have like the bubblegum lyric like No, 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 no. It it's dirty. That's why I'm saying it's like got that fully in the garage. Like it's like got oil on it. <laughs> yeah, it's got a it's got a lot like it would fit in. Like, you know, the split system cop is like kind of accurate in the way like if it if this was coming out of Melbourne right now, I would believe it. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? And and so it does have a little bit of that bird band saints, like mixed with like it's funny to the hives because I I was thinking like maybe that first helicopters record, um, just with like the the way the vocals sound like it's kind of like that cup in the mic where the vocals are kind of uglier than you think they should be you know but it really works, um, I don't know I I love this thing I I think uh, it's great it's another easy record to get through the whole thing I love the first song and then that Spring Grove and the Off I Sped songs those are probably my f- three favorite of like the rocker tracks which ones uh the first song which is motorbike the song yeah. spring grove and the song off i sped uh oh, those were I, I i didn't put those as my favorites okay well those but, are my favorite is rocker tracks but i wanted to call out the song potential ride uh because just like the violencia when i think that they get really special when they like tap into those dark vibes this was such a nice like right turn here or left turn, I guess. Um, because like this has like a very joy division ass like verse and it kind of came out of nowhere. And I was like, Oh shit. Like what a cool like sidebar to open up here for like this record and like them going there. It's like, damn, that's sick. And I want more of it. I don't know. Dan, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. It, that definitely has, um, yeah, it's interesting you say Joy Division. It definitely has like a, a PIL sound to it too. The way that he's like kind of backed off the mic and he's doing a more snotty, like almost like post pistols Johnny Rotten to an extent. Um, that it's so good, and yeah, there's a lot of atmosphere on that song. My favorite two songs are that one and the next one, Pressure Cooker. That song fucking rips. The guitar on it is so good, and I love that you say, I'm in a saucepan. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just so cool. Um, it's really good. I I would say that um, the thing that that makes this so good is that I felt like there was no like lull in this whole thing, and you know when it, when a band is doing extremely. Uh, I won't say one note, but when they are really, they've honed a um, nod to a different era in sound that they've built around that they're doing. Sometimes it can become a little one note, you know, and I didn't find that with this release at all. I, I really, really enjoyed every song. And you know what, what it also has is a, a little bit to it compared, you know, all the things that we've said, 
but it also has a little bit of like 90s San Diego Casbah sound to it a little bit, like a little bit of Rocket kind of in there a little bit as well. Um, but it, it's it's so good. Um, I, I, I had never heard of this band before this playlist was put together to talk about these records, and I'm, I'm really psyched on it. Um, I listened to it a lot in the last couple of weeks, um, doing my walks and, uh, in the, like you say, in the, the flow of what we've been reviewing, it, it is a nice little, like, I don't know, palate cleanser to all the hard style <laughs> or not even necessarily that it's hard style, but to all the extremely aggressive sounding music, like to go like, with some twangy melody, you know? Definitely a bit of twang. Yeah, I'm going to have to order this. Dan, with you being here a few weeks, maybe we'll put in an order. Okay. Get something. Uh, we'll figure it out in the next couple Where weeks. are they from? Uh, I have no idea. I didn't they do They are from, movies. don't call them Cincinnati. They're from Cincinnati. <laughs> oh, that's sick. <laughs> Shout out, Clevo. That rules. <laughs> yeah, Chris, what did you think about this? I liked it. Um, I... I was I was glad you guys went first because I was curious to hear like some of the comps that you that you shouted out. Um, interestingly, I kind of thought about the hives too, although it's a lot like dirtier. Um, and and like Zach said, like backed up the mic a little bit. Um, Pil is something I thought about, and then another one I thought of, and maybe it's because of the Ohio thing, but like I got some kind of like electric. V- Electric Eels vibes, which was a classic Cleveland band. Um, yeah, I like it a lot. Uh, somewhere between, I think Ben or maybe Ben and Todd Jones coined the term single coil punk or Ben likes to talk about it, um, which I think makes sense. And uh, somewhere between that and just straight up rock and roll. That opening riff on motorbike reminds me so much of something. And maybe maybe it's that split uh split system but um or you know maybe it's just them and it's it's almost almost don't fear the reaper (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say maybe it's just like it's them but it's so good that it sounds like it's got to be lifted because it's just too good to be original and original but i don't know dude Um, i'm telling you that's real that that happens like sometimes mm -hmm. you hear a song that is like so sick and you're like i had to have known this song my whole life yeah i mean for sure. Next um, time you listen to it, though, think of Don't Fear the Reaper because that's what it sounds like to me. All right. I will. Um, like Dan, my favorite track is Pressure Cooker. Um, just like it's so simple, too, if you break it down. But like there's this buildup at the beginning that is lo- it's kind of a long buildup. And just when you're getting to the point where you're like, this buildup might be too long, like right before you get to that point. Um, they bust out of it with, uh, like a couple choked hits to bring in like this driving beat on the same note. And a lot of this note or a lot of the song is just writing on this one note, um, with those couple of like hits at the end, at the end of the bar. Um, and then, um, it's just like this banging downstrumed riff. Um, it, but there's like a walking bass line over the top of it. And, the vocals. I'm in a pressure cooker a few times. 
uh, at 053, a really cool lead comes in over the top of it. Super simple, tasteful, but like it just gives it another element. And then the end of the song, it has like a cool little uh, key change. Maybe not a key change, but like a new note at least that it introduced that kind of makes it, uh, changes up the vibe a little bit. But yeah, this is a really cool record. I'm psyched to listen to it more. It's definitely, it came out last month. So just in time to be that summertime anthem. Now I need to get like a motorcycle or a convertible at the very <laughs> least so I can just cruise the top down in the wind in my hair. Well, yeah. also on, on Pressure Crooked, Chris, that that riff when, like you were saying, like it's driving and then it does that riff that goes, that part's so good. It, it's been in my head for the last two weeks. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's really good. Yeah, I listen to this when I'm riding my bike and – almost get run over by all the e-bike idiots. Um, <laughs> it's like, you motherfuckers, you don't deserve this motorbike record, e-bike bitches. What the they fuck are you riding be, on the boardwalk for? They shouldn't be popping molly and riding bikes. <laughs> all right, everyone, that's Motorbike. The self-titled LP came out on Feel It Records, Handle Business. Uh, okay, let's move on to a band called Soul Blame Demo uh, 2023. Dude. We got to talk a little hard style on this episode. And these dudes are hard. Dan, I thought they were UK, but you said they're Belgium. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Did you think they were UK because of the sample on the third song? I think so. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, well, Dan loves when we talk UK shit. And like, it's always good to find you allies, you know, in case you, you end up on the wrong side of town, you know? And they're like, oh, you're Dan Sant that uh, always holds down for the, uh, the UK jams on 185. Well, now I can now have the freedom of the the freedom of the city of Brussels. That's right. That's right. We love this soul blame demo. Um, it, yeah, it's hard style in in the way that it's fusing what the hard style of today that has been so prevalent in the last two years, fusing it with uh, traveling back to the the origination of this kind of hard style coming out of the nineties, you know, it's got a sound to the recording that is definitely uh, paying homage to, to the nineties sound of the hard style, the way the drums sound, um, the, the guitar leads uh, really taking me back to some of those, those records, um, giving you a little cold as life from time to time. Um, it's, it's really good. And it, 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 it flows really well into from part to part, um, which sometimes I find like bands that do this kind of hard style, like will have the points where they want to go. All right, we're going to do this riff. We're going to do this riff. And then we're going to go into this and then we're going to slow it down and do the, do the uh, mosh part again, but slow, you know, like it sometimes becomes a bit formulaic and the, the parts don't necessarily like flow into each other, like a proper song does. And I feel they capture um, the ability of like bringing in really hard parts with also very audible, catchy um, vocal parts. And then, uh, I like the way he flips up the voice from from uh, really aggressive to the. It's not quite. It's not quite got the swagger of Aaron, 
uh, death threat, but to a voice that's like in the register of like a an aggressive talk to an extent, like a "it's all I see," you know, like instead of like being rah, rah, rah. Um, so the flipping between the two vocals is really good, and then yeah, I love that sample that made you think it it's from the UK, like the someone going into a record shop, like he's like. I've got the West Coast flow for you. He's like, nah, I want that fucking hard East Coast shit. <laughs> and it, then it goes into a hard East Coast America style, uh, you know, banger. And um, it, it's really cool. And the artwork's great. Just a hooded mosher attacking you uh, with visually readable uh, logo, which... I don't know if that's a knock against it in this genre or not, but <laughs> it looks great to me. And yeah, I look forward to hearing more from this band. Yeah, uh, like the best stuff that plays the style, like it sounds so seamless the way they bounce between parts. Like this is really good for the style, which is why we're talking about it. Because uh, Dan was calling out the recording like that it could possibly be intentional. And maybe it is intentional, but I don't think so. I think that they didn't get that great of a recording. Um, but it doesn't detract from this too much that I think it hurts it. Um, it's just really good. Like they're doing this style really well. Um, that opening riff, like, so the first thing you hear on this thing is just so fucking mindless. And, uh, you know, and then it goes like the string bend over the top of it and then comes in on a cymbals mosh part. And then it goes into bounce and really like what makes this stuff so palatable, at least to my ear, uh, you know, if you're playing the hard style is being able to like, tie the whole thing together with bounce parts, right? I want to like be able to just bob my head or bang my head through the whole thing. You know what I mean? Cause like when you're just stacking mosh upon mosh, like that's cool. I get it. Like you're seeing through like the hardcore lens of like, you know, when we play the song live, like this and that, but let's be real. Like a lot of these things we listen to, like we're never going to be, we're never going to see the band live. Right. And, and we also want to like enjoy listening to the record. And so I want like stuff that I can bob my head to. And like, this does it. It's sick. Um, also, like that, the cheap talk song, a little bit of mind force influence, maybe on the opening riff and the yeah. way they come into it on, like, you know, doing the mosh over that little thing. It's great. This whole thing, like, it's only three songs, it's a perfect length for a demo. Uh, kept my attention the whole way through, left me wanting more. Uh, this is sick. And I like the the band name. I like everything about this. Chris, that, that, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. I was just going to say that that part that you called out as a mind force part is like the total, like the riff comes in and the pit clears out and we know how big the pit can clear out into Belgium. <laughs> like, uh, because of, we just saw a tsunami picture where the crowd must be like 25 feet away from the stage. Cause the pit has been severely cleared out. But that part that it, it, I love that you called out that it's got that mind force touch to it because that that's the thing I thought. And I, I, that I think that might be my favorite song on, on out of the three. Everyone open this pit up. Hey, wait, not that much. Uh, <laughs> Chris, what do you think about this? I like it. It's a cool demo. Um, you know, the recording Zach touched on isn't like the best recording, but it doesn't detract from it at all. I think it's fine. It's good for what it is. Um, it doesn't deter me at all from listening to it. Uh, good moshcore, tuned down guitars, tuned up snare. Uh, burly vocals, 
I also caught too, Dan touched on this, but I also caught too that it kind of spans some um some eras of of the genre. Um, you know, there's certainly some, you know, they mentioned Mind Force riffs, but like there's certainly some like Mike Dirt-esque riffs on here. Um and then Dan touched on the nineties like beatdown roots, which I hear, but I also hear some like, you know. 2000s era mosh influence in there as well um kind of there's there's parts of this that kind of almost remind me of aftershock a little bit which is cool i dig it dig that band um i so the the singer there's one vocalist for this band do we know that for a fact or or i know nothing okay because because one of the things i was questioning was uh you know, if they had multiple singers that do kind of different styles or if the one vocalist has a lot of range, um, because the recording to kind of the, the, the cadence of the different styles, sometimes they kind of like, they come out of each other, like really fast and almost on top of each other, which is totally could be a studio trick. Um, but, but I love the way that, that, that works. Like it sounds really dynamic. Um, you know, whether it's one person or two or three or eight, um, I, I just looked up the picture and there are six of them. So maybe six singers? No, 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 no. <laughs> there are six people in the band, so the it might well be that there are two vocalists, who knows? Or three they guitar. A lot of bands have three band. guitar players now. Yeah. They don't list the band. Maybe they're Ned Atom- Ned's Atomic Dustbin it uh with <laughs> having two bass players. Dan, how many dogs are in the picture? Unfortunately, I don't see any. Oh. Uh, finally, well, we, finally we found. Complaint. Yeah, finally we found a knock on Soul Blame. Get more yeah. dogs in your pictures, people. Um, uh, can we talk about the dive bombs? Because <laughs> they don't overuse the dive bomb. I don't think I'll have to listen to it a few more times. But like when they do do a dive bomb, they let you know about it. Like the opening track has this dive bomb that's so sick and it it bombs and then it changes notes a couple times in the <laughs> middle of this dive bomb to like different octaves and then proceeds to dive bomb even more and lasts a total of eight seconds and it's so sick second song has a long ass dive bomb right in the middle and then <laughs> um new chapter of the third song also has a dive bomb that is pretty sick and it starts out kind of like like the first like the one in the opening track where it's like like really slow but then he just starts wanking it like homie is feeling the whammy bar and i'm here for it (laughs) that rules yeah the the only knock other than no dogs in your uh, promo photos is like they're leaning into that trope right where like a mosh part's coming and it's like oh you're a pussy ass bitch blah 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 it's like that shit is fucking getting like, okay, I'm sure these guys could maul me, you know, whatever. But like, dude, let the music speak for itself. You know what I mean? Like the classic bands of the genre didn't always do that. And like, I don't know, it just is so tired and it, it's just, it's really entering like the corny realm at this point. You know, I hate to say it. It's like when I hear that shit, I'm just like, oh, fucking cringe, dude. You know, so that's all like the music speaks for itself. Like this is hard as fuck, right? Like those parts, like they sound like, uh, 
you're in the studio and you're like making a joke for your friends to like laugh to, you know, which is cool. Like have fun with your band, obviously do whatever you want. Don't listen to my like idiotic ass. But like, as far as me as a listener, that's like, listen to this stuff for a long ass time. And I love it. Uh, like that trope is just, it's, it's getting like in the serious cornball range, in my opinion, just my humble opinion. So uh, I think the band that did like the mosh call, lines the best ever in history is i mean the og's hate breed and the 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 approach that they took is they would he would scream a line that kind of makes you think like huh you know but in a way that also makes you think hey there's my friend he's three feet away from me to punch him in the face right now yeah but his mosh call is my only hope is vengeance you know like it's the song it's not yeah hey, exactly you bitches get out there in the pit or i'll cave your head in i'm the hardest dude alive what's up all the prayers in the world can't bring you back right it's like yeah. it's sick in the context of the song so that's all like as a fan of this style like that's a piece of it that i think is just a little silly so i mean do it live by all means like that's where it comes from and i get like we're trying to emulate like the live shit on the record but uh, I just don't think it works. So uh, that's what's up. You know, I mean, like, can you imagine, like, calling for a circle pit, like, on a fucking record? All right, here comes a circle pit part, everyone. You know, it's like, it's kind of the same thing. Like, it's like, okay, if someone called for a circle pit part before a fast part on a record, you'd be like, the fuck? You know, <laughs> what? what's the difference? You know, it's like, let's take a step back and realize, like, the absurdity of some of this shit. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's such a minor part. I love this style and this is a band that, that really does it well. So soul blame is the band demo 23. Everyone check it out. And uh, it's a good time to say there is a playlist for every episode. Go to 185 miles south.com. Click that playlist link at the top of the page and check it out. Cause this is the music and that's what it's all about. Also, you can just find us on Spotify. I think 185 miles south and uh, check it that way. All right, let's move on. Another band doing the hard style. Out of Pocket, the LP Waste of a Man came out on Streets of Hate in the last month or so. Dude, I love this thing so much. I can't believe how much I love it. Um, I like this month, you know, this playlist, like, you know, we'll break down this playlist and just have a couple songs from each band. But right now, you know, all the the full albums were on here and like, dude, I'm not hating it. Like I love all this shit, but like that motorbike is a nice like cleanser. The Valencia is one of my favorite records of the year. The Soul Blame is like, oh shit, let's do this fucking hard style. And then like, but this out of pocket is like, goddamn. Um, we talk a lot about like in the early '80s, like the recording being like the fifth member of the band. You know, where like the record just wouldn't be the same if it didn't have like that early '80s like recording. And this is like kind of the modern version of that to me. And I don't know how much of the, how much of this is intentional and how much wasn't, but like to my like ear, which is, you know, a pretty uh, ignorant ear sometimes like this thing is so sick. Like the tones, the, the guitars, like they don't lean too much into like the death metal heaviness. Like it's not super heavy. And then like the drums, like that snare, like it's almost like piccolo. Like it, it has so much of like that E-Town concrete time to shine vibe, you know? And then like the kick drum, like 
you hear it and there is a shit ton of kick, like double kick on this, but like, it's not too like thuddy in your chest, which you'd be like expecting like of this style. It's like the recording really is like the fifth man or the sixth man on this record. Like I love the way it sounds. And because like the guitars aren't so like buried in distortion, it sounds super tight and really like the backbone of this record, like where there is lots of mosh like on here, but like the backbone is like these dudes do bounce so well. And they do like these palm muted riffs on top of the bounce that just like it, it just compels you to bob your head like through this whole thing. Like I love it. And then the singer, his voice is fucking nasty. You know, it's like a, a voice, like not even a mother can love. Like it kind of sounds like if Mexi Mike from section hate, like was uh, like trying to sound like Darby crash, you know, it's just like, it's a wild voice and I'm here for it. Like I like ugly music, you know what I mean? And yeah, I just love this. It's like, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. It's like eight songs or something. And uh, they're all just kind of playing the hard style, like in a, a bouncy format with lots of mosh, but the record is so palatable. I go through it like every time and I'm like, God, I want to listen to it a little more. So it's just like, it is the perfect length. This thing like caught me by surprise. Um, I didn't think I was going to love it as much as I did. And I did. It's like one of my favorite records of the year. Uh, Dan, what do you think about it? Well, I've seen out of pocket a few times up here in the Bay and they, they fucking bring it. Um, so um vocally i feel like he sounds a bit like joseph but more like guttural like joseph from tsunami um he sounds they their voices are a bit similar to me but the song uh waste of a man how it starts with the like weird weird like almost like almost district nine-ish to an extent it's like bopping around like that um and yeah the piccolo snare is giving (laughs) the way the snare sounds is like we like ignorant music so this is why our drum sounds like this (laughs) like that's what it's giving you know um but yeah this this thing has a lot of bounce and swagger to it it's um it's great because the songs aren't too long they're perfectly in the pocket not out of pocket (laughs) oh um but it's a it's really good and i love it has an outro not an intro you know yeah and that's ignorant it's that's ignorant riff on ignorant riff oh yeah it's great there's a couple things that they do that are just getting a you know you you mentioned for the last band getting a little bit tired on the like fuck you bitch or shut up pussy you know all of that kind of shit this band's not doing that they're doing the thing that all of these beatdown-esque bands are doing where the mosh part goes then there's a pause and then it comes in again slower and grindier um i just wish um a band would like switch it up where it goes like almost like a Braxis annihilations it, you know, instead of it going and then going to jun, 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 jun. And I know it is the thing of the day, but how sick would it be like if 
like a mosh part went and then there's a pause and you think it's going to do that but it comes in at like double time of that mosh part and then it's just like this upbeat like version of it that would be so sick but this that's that's my minor thing that i just think while i'm marinating on these records i'm like oh i would like it if that happened just but what i gotta say about this is it's it's a great ep um really it i haven't had as long to sit with this as some of the other stuff we've talked about because this only came out last what like four days ago or something four or five days ago but i've listened to it like four times and i I really like it and they're a, a really good live band and put on for the bay so um i'm really excited to hope this really um elevates them and let lets people know that this is a band to fucking get into because it is um it's really sick there are some uh some vocal features on here as well um that on the most part like give you a fully different sound to the way that the singer sounds so it's like uh gives you something you know a little bit different but um it it's a good record it is bouncy it is hard it is um everything that if you are coming around like in the hard style this is going to be right up your alley chris what do you think about this well i don't know who this out of pocket band is you guys are talking about i was listening to two word out of pocket i didn't say out of (laughs) (laughs) what (laughs) they'll be on the next 185 miles hour I said uh, out trivia. of pocket. Yeah, I did write it like that. Out of pocket. The next trivia. <laughs> Is it a out of pocket? Um, what are what Atari is to octaves? This band is to palm mutes. You've yes. never met anyone in your life who loves palm mutes as much as the guitar player in this band. Uh, but like Atari. Like Atari's obsession with octaves makes them great. This band's obsession with Paul Mukes makes them great. And they do a lot of really cool stuff with it. Like it's not just like, okay, let's close, let's put, let's lay the palm down and chug it out. There, there's a lot of thought and structural patterns in these palm mutes, and it's fantastic. Like there's flips between halftime strumming and, and regular time strumming and double time. And then like lots of like hanging, like half beats, um, like changes, like halfway through the measure, like there'll be like a, a palm mute riff that'll be like, chung, 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 there's just like a lot of creativity with, with these, with the way they hit those. And, and it's makes it a super interesting listen. And then, you know, when they do open it up, it, it almost makes it like a lead, you know, like, like has the same impact that a lead would have, you know, for, uh, you know, uh, whoever band. Um, and then when they do an actual, like traditional lead on top of that, it just adds another element. I think this is really cool. Um, like Dan said, I haven't listened to it a ton yet just because um, I just dove into it, I think, two days ago. But already, like, I'm super hyped on it. Um, it's definitely, 
I'm definitely gonna have to pick a, a song from this, um, as well as the Soul Blame for the uh, Crush All Weights playlist. And honestly, I might put this out of pocket on my, you know, my playlist that I have. You just said for, like, <laughs> what's that? You just said out of pocket. <laughs> it's because I've been hanging out with all you wankers. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I might put this out of pocket on my like my best of you know 2023 playlist that I keep just to remind myself. I keep a running playlist of like my favorite records just so I don't forget about them and and um you know as as I zero in on on stuff. Um, and this might go on there. I, I really like it. Uh, the vocal cadence is cool. The, the, the vocals themselves are almost like a death metal growl, but the cadence makes it, takes it totally out of that. Like, it's almost like, a. it's got a little bit of like a reek from New Jersey bloodline bounce at times. Um, but just a little bit more, more growly. I don't know. I really dig this. Uh, and I hope I get to see them live sometime. Yeah. It, all that palm muting, you know, on top of the bounce with like it not being buried in like a sludge of distortion, like it just makes it so rhythmic and yeah, like, it tone. just gives it, yeah, the tone really adds to it. And then just the way they're playing, like it just sounds so tight. I don't know, like in a, in a style that in the last, like, you know, handful of years, has maybe, you know, to some people gotten a little long in the tooth. Like this sounds like really fresh, like, and it's a style I love anyway. Like it doesn't get old to me. Um, but yeah, this is just like, they're finding their little niche in like a semi narrow style, which is just so sick. It's like, it's everything that I think like the greatest, you know, the greatest thing about what I think punk is right. Which is taking something super simple and putting like your creative spin on it and like making it your own. You know, and and that's what this does, like to me, through like my Neanderthal brain. So uh yeah, I love it. Everyone check it out. It is out of pocket. The record is Waste of a Man, came out on Streets of Hate, Handle Business. All right, last thing I want to get into is a band from OC. They're called Bloodstains. Uh the seven inch is called Antisocial, came out on Hostage Records. This thing is like living in a weird vortex, right? Like there's like a hundred listeners on Spotify, but like the seven inches sold out. Like what the fuck? Um, if anyone has a seven inch, I would really like one. So I'll trade you for it or you can hook us up. Cause uh, you know, you love us, dude. What's up? Uh, I really do want this. You got to try to not pop in like that, dude. Cause it doesn't come across. Well, you, you should say that I uh, should get one for myself and Dan. Okay. Uh, one for myself and Dan and, and Chris probably likes it too. So how about, how about a round and one for Bedge too. So, uh, <laughs> four bloodstained seven inches, please. Um, yeah, this thing is so good. Uh, it is like perfect 1981 style OC hardcore punk, right? Like mixed together, like that first adolescence LP with the first agent orange LP, the first like social D LP, and maybe even a little bit of the wipers like that lead on, uh, on the first song, any social sounds a little bit like youth of America, uh, maybe a little more simple, simplified version of that. Um, but good God, man, this is fucking perfect. 1981 OC punk. Like I've listened to this. Like, I, I think I heard it like two days ago for the first time. I've literally listened to it. I don't know, 15 times. It's like three songs and it's the perfect length for like hearing a band the first time. I know they did a demo in 2020. I didn't hear it then. And uh, one of the songs is this song, Antisocial. Um, 
but yeah, it's like that first song, any social is like this like mid tempo, like dark vibe song. That's just like so sick and perfect. And then like the other two songs are like two up tempo mid mid tempo songs that like fucking rip, you know, it's like, goddamn! like, did they just do like three perfect songs that are literally like channeling us back 40 years? Like it's insane. This thing is so fucking good straight into contention for seven inch of the year. And, uh, I mean, easily one of my favorite things I've heard like in the last five years. So, uh, yeah, Chris, what do you think about this? Yeah, it's, it's cool. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I didn't know where this band was from and I went to band camp just to kind of see if I could find out where they're from. And, uh, you know, like every band in the world, there's multiple bands named the bloodstains. And the first one I saw was a band from Germany. And I was like, okay, I couldn't have guessed in a million years that this, that, or tries that this was a German band, but it turns out, nope, wrong bloodstains. This is a band from Orange County, which definitely a hundred percent checks out. Um, and we should also add Ben wanted us to share with the 185 miles South listeners that he also loves this record. Um, yeah, I the vibe on the first song kind of reminds me of the end of uh, Kids of the Black Hole. Uh, but I went and listened to them back to back and like Kids of the Black Hole is definitely a lot more driving. Like this first track is very like laid back. Um, but it's a cool song, but I'm, I'm glad, you know, as I was listening to it in, in order, I was glad that it didn't, you know, all three songs didn't stay that tempo. Um because it, it picks up the pace to a, a lot more of a driving mid tempo um, on the second and third songs. And, and I feel like at, definitely adolescence, like agent orange, all the things Zach said um, heard a little bit of circle jerks in there maybe. Um, and then the third song even has the, the there's a vocal part that reminds me a lot of bad religion uh, earlier, bad religion. Uh, but yeah, this is really cool. I dig it. Dan, what do you think about this? uh it's it's yeah i mean i can't really add on from what's been said it's very very good the first song is head and shoulders above the other two but i mean the first song is like one of the best new songs i've heard in a long 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 time so that's not saying much i also love the third song um extinctions extinction i mean it's really good. The second song, Burning Sun, is, like you say, a very uh, paint-by-numbers version of, like, 1981 early, you know, basically stuff that would be on the decline to an extent. Um, very much like that. But the um, the first song, like, I'm anti, anti-social. And it's crazy because... When is a chorus just repeating the same sentence like four times or eight times? Um, gonna be like just so great. Like sometimes when that happens, it gets so redundant, and it's the opposite here. You just like are singing along, and like when it moves on from the chorus, you're like, ah, oh, go back to the chorus. It's so good. Um, but that's not to say the verses aren't good. Like everything about this is fantastic. The recording is the absolute complement to what the songwriting is. They are married in heaven. So yeah, I can't wait to hear more from this band. 
Yeah, they got everything right. Like the singing is perfect for it. The tones are perfect. The recording is perfect. Like it's so on the nose of like what it is. And, and I, I kind of feel like you might be a little rating like these other two songs, Dan, like, because, you know, think about like the adolescence, like the blue LP, right? Like if it didn't have kids of the black hole and amoeba on it, like it's still a great LP, you know, but it's like you, these two tentpole songs, like make it like one of the greatest LPs ever. You know what I mean? And like, I kind of feel like that with this, like if they put out like a two song seven inch and it was just the two other tracks, I'd be like, God damn, they knocked this 1981 style, like out like 1981 OC style, like straight out of the park. Like it would still be there, but like that they tap into like this shit. That's like, you know, like that for like, you know, the first two TSOL 12 inches and like the agent orange, like how they just like, they're dipping their toes in like the water of like that dark vibe, like for this antisocial song. It's like, good God, man. It's so fucking spectacular. So I need this. Someone uh, track down a seven inch, a round of seven inches for your people. What's up? Uh, everyone check out the playlist and uh, check out all this stuff. Well, you know what? There's things called fun facts and then unfun facts. <laughs> fun facts and then unfun facts. <laughs> All right, we're joined again by the uh, the referee. That's uh, Ben Merlis, a.k.a. Ben Edge, a.k.a. Bedge. What's up, Ben? What's going on? What is up? All right. I did a ridiculous project uh, recently where I listened to a thousand hardcore and punk seven inches that were pre-1984. And when I was doing it, I came across, you know, a bunch that I liked or was interested in. And, you know, I Googled them to try to see what they're all about. And one of these seven inches was a band called Rock Bottom and the Spies. And when I was Googling them for whatever sort of information I needed to to fill in my spreadsheet, uh, I came across like this blog post or maybe it was a website whatever ben i'll get into it but uh the story about this dude trying to track down these seven inches was so wild and i was like god damn this is a story we got to get on the air so i uh i reached out to ben and said maybe you could uh summarize this story a bit for us and tell it on the air and then we can just react to it so uh ben let us know what happened here with uh rock bottom and the spies yeah first off you found a lot of late 70s, early 80s, LA punk that I had never heard of before. And I thought, I really thought I had that, you know, era and region on lock. And I really didn't. There's just, it just proves that you can, you can uh, find a, a spot and you can dig and never reach the bottom. So rock bottom and the spies, um, I'm reading this the same way Zach did off of breakmyface.com, which is kind of like a, a punk rock website, LA centric punk rock website that I don't know if they still uh, post on it anymore, but it's this guy, Ryan Richardson and this other guy, Roger, I don't remember his last name. So here's the cliffs notes of who rock bottom and the spies were short lived LA punk band. Uh, they were around in the late seventies and early eighties. They made one acetate seven inch in 1979 called good looker. And the B side was called babe. So this is an acetate. It never came out. Then they put out a proper three song, seven inch in 1981 entitled rich girl. And, um, 
this was on bottoms up records so uh, rock bottom bottoms up uh, clearly a self-released uh, single um it's mostly a really good record and you can listen to the entire thing on youtube someone thankfully uploaded it so um and my man, real quick just to jump in it's actually on spotify too so we'll put one oh. of the songs on the list it's on spotify too i i shouldn't have uh, gotten my hands dirty going to youtube why did i bother doing that uh, <laughs> we all we all prefer the spots at uh, the 185 family does okay so here here's my rundown of the three songs on this ep rich girl it's a great song it reminds me of the song kill by alberto e los trios paranoias but with a synthesizer so that that uh, Alberto Elo's Trios Paranoias was a, a joke punk band from England. Um, but I guess th- uh, Rock Bottom and the Spies is not a joke band, but, you know, they have a sense of humor. It's a fine line. Um, the song No Good uh, kicks ass, too. It's mid-tempo punk that's just dripping with attitude. It seems sort of dated for 1981. It feels more like something that would have come out in 1978 or so. But I, I ain't complaining. It's all ancient history at this point. Um, and it also has a ripping guitar solo. And then the last song, Death Trap, reminds me of the weirder side of the other L.A. punk band, The Deadbeats. It's like slower than the other two songs. And there seems to be this like 1950s sci-fi sound effect thing happening in the background the entire time, which is a little nauseating. So the story that that these guys who have this website explained was... You know, they discover this ultra rare record and um, they become obsessed with it. And then eventually after the dust is settled, they reissue the record as a picture sleeve in 2002. So if you find the original version of this record, you just won't find the original version of this record. But there's represses. There's even a a more recent repress than that. So um, they tracked down every member of the band in around 1999 that's what the original post is dated um and they just completely behaved like a couple of stalkers uh just you know i i don't even know if they they acted like private investigators trying to find like missing children so here's a rundown of the members of the band and like and like what they found out about them so the guitarist steven della bosca his uh stage name is like igar igarist or Weigar Weigarist. I don't even know how you pronounce that. But he was in this band Zolar X, which is pretty obscure as well, but people know who they are. They they dressed like uh, space aliens and they predate the punk scene. They were an LA band that started in 1973. And they're considered like kind of a precursor to punk. And uh, they sing about like how, how they're, you know, aliens from outer space. That's their, their whole vibe. And it's sort of like a 1950s sci-fi looking band. Um, and they would walk around in spacesuits, like in the middle of the day, like to go to the 7-Eleven and people would be like, who the fuck are these guys? So they kind of became known for that. So this this guy who was the guitarist of both bands, um, they found this guy in around the late 90s living with his mom and his mom was quote unquote born angry. She was like the meanest person they had ever come across. Um and they lied to him and his mom and said that they were record label execs that they and they had a royalty check for him, but they had to meet him in person to give it to him, which is weird because it's like, what record label <laughs> would they possibly <laughs> be giving a royalty check from? And 
and the the guy the guitar player guy bought the lie and he's like okay let's meet up <laughs> then they meet up with him he, he finds out they were totally lying to him but then they're like oh we'll buy a single off you for your troubles because i don't think at this point maybe the people these guys who have this website don't even own the single so they buy this seven inch um and then they try to track down the next guy and I don't know if this guy was a guitar player in the band, Guillermo Libuti. Um, they found an address for him in L.A., but a neighbor said basically like, oh, the two people in that house were like a Coke dealer and a heroin dealer. And the Coke dealer murdered the heroin dealer and the Coke dealer disappeared. And they figured out like, oh, this Guillermo guy was the Coke dealer who who probably murdered the heroin dealer and then like, you know, ran for it. So that's pretty dark. The next guy was uh, Blank Frank. He also played in a band called Deep Six, so I couldn't tell you anything about. They got a hold of his mom, and his mom said he died in an apartment fire some years back. And other people said it was drug-related, and it may have been both. You know, a lot of people fall asleep with a cigarette in their mouth and then start a fire. So that's pretty – that's a – a bummer next guy bassist ian icon they didn't even know this guy existed because he wasn't credited on the record and they found out they found in an old ad that the rock bottom and the spy single had been distributed by a label called ici sanoblast which was the label that put out the la's wasted youth lp reagan's in we all love that record the lewd lp the eastern front comp and the zolar x lp from 82 so they found out that Ian actually co-owned that label and he was also the bass player of Rock Bottom and the Spies. And they found him, they found his apartment building and they like called every number until until he answered. And then, he's, <laughs> the, the, and he said, like, he, they said, oh, this guy's like well-adjusted. Okay, finally, there's like a happy ending with one of the members of this band because everything else seems really, you know, downtrodden. So then they go to drummer Joel Mar- Mar- Martinez and according to Discogs, he played in the band The Pop, which is a eh, relatively well-known kind of power pop band from L.A. And then a band called Andy and the Rattlesnakes. I've never heard of them. So Joel Martinez's name is so common that they're like, fuck it. We're not even going to bother looking for this guy. And then they found out later from Nicole Panter, who had been the germs manager, that Joel Martinez was dead. So that's another unhappy ending. Okay, last guy they had to look for was the singer of the band, Rock Bottom, whose real name was Rock Halsey. Rock Halsey. So Nicole Panter helped them figure out that he was currently serving 25 years in prison for uh, cooking and dealing meth. And they got a hold of him in prison, and he started becoming their pen pals and writing letters from prison. And he basically told his mom and his sister, like, tear our house apart to help them find uh, seven inches. And they and the, the mom and the sister were like, nope, we can't find any. And they're like, shucks. <laughs> it's like, he's so helpful. And then um, they said, apparently, this guy saw a, gar- a prison guard beating a prisoner and he testified against the prison guard and they put him in solitary confinement as payback, which just sounds like, I mean, hell on earth. And and then um, they f- found out probably through his mom that his mom had been Miss Germany in the 1952 Miss Universe contest. And his dad was an actor named Brett Halsey. And if you look up Brett Halsey on IMDb, he was in like a trillion movies going back to the early 50s, most notably 
to me most notably, Return of the Fly with Vincent Price. You know, you can all sing the Misfits song. And then Return the- of the Fly with Vincent Price. Yeah, Return of the Fly. And most oh, well, well. Sorry. Exactly. And then most importantly, he was in The Godfather Part 3. <laughs> Everyone's favorite Godfather movie. Um, so all this is written in 1999. And then they started adding updates as they found out more things. So in 2001, there's an update that says um, that guy, Ian Icon, the one who seemed like normal and well-adjusted, he had killed himself. He just killed himself. And then in 2005, they, uh, so this is six years after you know their insane stalkerish quest to find every member of Rock Bottom and the Spies, they found out that Rock Bottom himself had been murdered in prison by a fellow inmate. So what is the moral of the story, Zach? Because I don't know the answer. It's just rock bottom and the spies keep it real. Like you think your band's street? Jesus. Yeah, this is some, I, I want to say, I want to say the word hardcore shit, but I mean, it's, I would call, I would say it's a one. It is punk, but it's, it's, it's a great record. And, and the, and these guys, you know, they did it justice by reissuing it. Um, I don't know. I, you can, I think you can buy a, a repress for like sixteen ish dollars on Discogs. So it's yeah. It's, and I think there's yeah. a release too that's like a a Rock Bottom that spies Solar X split as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just think it's it's an interesting story, right? Because there's so many just like singles of that early punk shit, and it's like here you pick up one that you never heard of. It's pretty good. And you just do a simple Google that you normally do of something. And then it's just like, God, there's so much tragedy behind it. And it's just crazy because, you know, we see these one little, you know, one little piece of these people's lives, you know, and that's kind of like where they sit in our worlds, you know, but there's like so much going on behind it. And I just thought this was a pretty good example of just like the chaos that is behind like these records that we, we never know is there, you know, and, and luckily these guys did this insane amount of sleuthing and like track this stuff down. And then like Ben said, they do like a proper release and, you know, keep this, keep this out there. And, you know, they got it up on Spotify. So that's, it's more than we can say for crucial response. Um, <laughs> so that's cool. But yeah, I don't know, Ben, what do you get out of it? I mean, think of it this way. There are hardcore punk bands from the same time period where every member is like highly educated and like married with children and, you know, a functioning member of society. And they might sound just as crazy as rock bottom and the spies. Like, so how much can you say that the uh, music is reflective of the lives of the members of the band? You know, you just never know. Yeah, that's a good point. Dan, you want to say anything on this before we get out of here? Well, I've got a couple things to say. First and foremost, there are spies that have worked in uh, communist Russia, spies that have worked in Nazi Germany that have better chances of living than the spies in this band. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's <laughs> Doing not a, not crazy. And then um, I also want to echo what the song that's on our uh, Spotify playlist is about. I need a rich girl too. <laughs> Shout out. 
That's a that's a banging song though. It is. Check it out on the playlist, everyone. Chris, you want to say anything about this, or should we move on? Um, there's a lot there, so I don't know where to react. <laughs> but I thought the funniest, well, the most amusing part was um, the record exec that was going to give them royalty checks for the the acetate that never came out on vinyl. <laughs> yeah, I love the idea of like tricking someone and like going to show up in person to tell them that you tricked them, and then <laughs> just being like, oh, "That's cool, man. <laughs> like, well, let's just figure it out." Was yeah. that the first? That had to have been the first person they reached out to because if they reached out to everyone else and saw how horribly wrong things went, they might have thought twice about trying to trick this dude. That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right, everyone, that's that. If you know any other wild ass stories about any old school bands, get at me and uh, we'll dig into it and talk about it on the air. Right, we're going to do a UFO segment for one of the best hardcore seven inches of all time. Dan, in your top 10 or top 20? Top 10. Okay. Yeah, we're going to do a UFO for the Alone in a Crowd seven inch. Uh, so the day before uh, Jules goes in to record vocals on the seven inch, he's abducted by a UFO. You can replace him with any person in the history of music. Uh, doesn't have to be from the same era uh, to sing on this record. Dan, you chose this one. You can go first. Oh, gosh. Tough. So I can't choose Jules from Side by Side because that would be <laughs> cheating, so I'm not going to. Yes, and Dan, we should say, I said you can't choose yourself. Like I thought this was like a setup. Like, dude, let's do a lot of the crowd. I choose myself to sing on it, <laughs> you know? What like like going to like fantasy camp? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Can I like, please sing on this, please? <laughs> no. Yeah. But uh, but no. real quick, let me just spit out. I'm taking rabies, so don't take him. No problem. I uh, I mean, I thought you were going to take me. That's why you told me you couldn't take. I couldn't be on it. <laughs> That's true. Well, you're my second choice. If, oh, if okay. I can't get rabies, I'm taking Dan Sand. All right, good. Um, I was tossing between two very different sounding voices um for this one to take it to more of a brutal like interesting way like especially like hearing is anybody there like with todd from tragedy Ooh, i think with the like just brutality of his voice like like it would just be so hard but then the other side of my mind was thinking of the urgency and the just power of the voice of Kurt Chain of Strength mm. and how good that would sound over these songs. And also because he's a bit of <laughs> a bit of a dingbat, he would uh, totally like love the Who You Know uh, lyrics, <laughs> which haven't necessarily held up that great. Um, but I'm going to go Todd Tragedy. I think it, that just wins out just slightly to me, just how brutal that could be. And then I would really like to see how deep, like in, in the pocket, he can get on when Tigers fight. So I'm going. You no. Know, I was going to say, you know, he has that bell to go ding. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> 
Um, I, I think I think that would be a really interesting way to take the seven inch into a slightly different direction, you know, but still harness the power of how amazing these songs are and that his vocals would be just uh just giving it a different spin on life. Yeah, I think that's a great choice because it's so different. For me, I had to have someone that can like hold out the is anybody there? Like I want like someone to be able to hold that out. And that's why I was singing rabies, right? Because like, you know, the end when he's like, you rise above, gotta rise above, gotta rise above. Or when it's like S one, like he can just hit that note. And like hearing that on the first song would be so sick. And I don't know. I feel like all these, like I I don't think that much. These are hard. It's like every single album. It's like, who do you want to uh, replace whoever? And I'm like, either rabies or Vogel. You know, what I mean? like every single one. It's like uh, rabies or Vogel. Like, do I want this like the best like straight yelling hardcore voice, or do I want the the voice with the most personality? Like, it's gonna be one of them. You know, and alone in the crowd. Fuck. First choice rabies. Second choice dance Sant, Third choice Vogel. So <laughs> that's that's my answer. Uh, Chris, what do you got for this one? First, like the no bell to go ding was a reference to the song uh, "Confessions of a Suicide Advocate," where it has like a like a church bell. Yeah. So that, the church bell would give it a little bit of a different, darker tone. Um, <laughs> these are all hard, um, but I feel like this one is especially hard because there's something about Jules's voice that makes it all of pissed off, tortured, aggressive, urgent. And then, you know, not to mention like the speeches, like, um, you know, the speeches at their, their first show. Uh, so Vogel's the, the easy, obvious answer there because he bring, he certainly brings the speech thing too, but I'm going to take it in a little bit different direction. I'm going to focus on the confrontational vibes, the vibes of I'm straight edge. I'm going to punch you in the face if you get in my face <laughs> and I'm going with rest in peace, Isaac Golup from course of disapproval um no one in the history of the world is touching jewels on this but i think isaac could pull off a mean wind tigers fight and i think just that confrontational vibe uh would would fit with this band real well i think that's a great great choice and timely r.i.p isaac dude we haven't had a chance to say that on the uh the pod so it's nice to bring that up chris uh dan how do you feel about that one and how do you feel about mine yeah i like them both yours um rabies would be so good on the parts that it's like um it's not who you are it's who you know like mm-hmm. on who you know it would be so full of like attitude and like bounce and swagger and then like chris says when it comes to when tigers fight it would be so angry with isaac um and and is anybody there i think he would nail really well as also um, it's yeah, interesting was, that Vogel was brought up because he has an alone in a crowd tattoo. So oh. um, he's got to be in the running just simply for, you know, props of having the words alone in a crowd tattooed on him. Hell yeah. yeah he's getting that bronze medal. Chris, <laughs> wrap it up on this. Sorry. Um, yeah. I was just going to add with, with rabies to like, I think the beginning of alone in a crowd, um, is anybody there? Is anyone care? Do you want to see what I see? Would you slow enough? Like him doing that in our hearts and in our minds. I feel that hard, you know, that style yeah. Um, yeah. would be really cool too. 
Yeah, I gotta say he's probably the best choice. Uh, that's why I chose him. So, <laughs> I'm the smartest, sick. smarter than anyone else. <laughs> that's right. I think uh, your second pick was best. Oh, fair enough. The second pick was definitely the the best dressed. <laughs> on that, uh, Dan. Final thoughts on the episode. Um. Yeah. Again, another month goes by, and we're just bringing bangers to the ears of the one eight five faithful. Um, and there's, you know, so much we can't even get on when when things go by, like, um, because yeah, we we've already just taken up two hours of your time, um, talking about all this new stuff, and and we wish we could do another two hours, but we're not going to punish you like that. But there's so much other good stuff, and please, listeners, hip us to new stuff too. Like we love the conversation, we love the sharing of of bands and songs and everything. So, you know, get in touch and let us know what we need to be listening to as well. Yeah, we need like a shitty dead month of hardcore so we can catch up because like every month, like there's stuff that doesn't make it on. Like there's demos from January that I've been wanting to talk, but like it just hasn't like made the cut to get on. Just like not due to lack of merit, just due to lack of time. So, uh, yeah. Everyone get at us. Let us know what you want to hear. Uh, Chris, thoughts on the episode? Um, I just echo everything you guys said and uh, hype to listen to all this stuff. Uh, hype to talk about the stuff that was already on my radar and I loved and hype to talk about like some of the newer things that I hadn't given a chance yet and um, came away loving. Uh, and just to reiterate, like we've talked about this before, like we're not reviewers. We don't work for Rolling Stone or or whatever. We just talk about stuff that we love. And so, um, you know, appreciate y'all listening to us just like hype up and big up stuff that we love. And and hopefully you guys are into it too. And, uh, you know, as, as they have both said, like hip us the stuff that you want to big up. Hell yeah. All right, Dan, where can people find you? At Indecision 30, dusting off the old bones and on Instagram at Southport Instagrammer. And if anyone's coming to Comic-Con, I will be running the San Diego pop-up shop where we are flipping our store into a Cobra base. So if you want to come get indoctrinated into Cobra, come by, say hello. That's at the Super 7 brick-and-mortar location in... Uh, downtown San Diego, correct, Dan? Yep, on 8th and G. All right, yeah, handle business people. Chris, where can people find you? Uh, at Chris Williams 51 on Instagram, Twitter, if that thing's still around by the time this comes out in a few <laughs> days, uh, and threads, if that thing is, uh, if anyone's even using it after they sign up for it. Yeah, and also you can see Chris in the pit at uh, the, Arroyo, uh, the Arroyo Grande shows, correct? That's true. You might see me in the pit at uh, Indecision 30. We'll see. That's right. Uh, you will see me stage potatoing on Saturday at Indecision 30. Uh, I will be there. I'll be there uh, playing that Vuvuzuela for Dan <laughs> while he tries to uh, do speeches in between those over my body songs uh, with a chorus of other people playing the Vuvuzuela. So uh, shout out to us. Uh, everyone, get at me, 185milesouth at gmail.com. I respond to everyone. Also, it's 185milesouth on Instagram and Twitter and threads too, I think. I don't know. I don't. I, I signed up, but I don't check it yet. 
If it takes off, we'll do it. Otherwise, Instagram's the main one. And then uh, I'm Zach Retaliate on Instagram. And you know, Retaliate is the best, still the best on Instagram. Everyone, we love you all. We will talk to you soon. We will talk to the real ones next Monday on Patreon. I shouted out a ton of shows I'm going to go to in the next couple of weeks. If you see me, come say hi. And uh, yeah, see you out there. Hardcore rules. Mm-hmm.